You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Alexa, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LongtownPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Monday, kicking off a week's worth of podcasts. A little bit of a short week last week. Real Job had some big things going on. Tulane's homecoming was also there. Roll wave, they got a win. And now we've got to catch up on a ton of news going on with your New Orleans Pelicans, as well as have a guest on the show. We're having some fun with Sean Woodley, host of the Locked On Raptors podcast, in anticipation of the game tonight. So we're going to just dive right on into everything. We'll quickly touch on the Suns game over the weekend. That was a nice win for New Orleans. We'll explain why. We'll talk about who kind of stood out for that one. And then we'll move on because Jimmy Butler was traded. The Pelicans kind of fit into that in some capacity. So there's some news there. And also disarray in Houston, which I also want to mention. So it's kind of a jam-packed podcast. We got a lot to cover. It's going to be a lot of fun. So let's just jump right on into everything. So we're going to do this recap quickly because the Pelicans kind of just got a 119-99 ho-hum easy victory at home in the Smoothie King Center Saturday night. Exactly what you want to see from this team against the now 2-10 Phoenix Suns. Perfect game from New Orleans. Davis had 26 and 13 boards. Julius Randle started in place of Nikola Mirotic. There was still no Alfred Payton in this one as well. Julius Randle played very well. 22 points on the night. He had 15 rebounds and 7 offensive rebounds. The Pelicans in this one had 26 second chance points to go along with 14 fast break points. That will get you a win when you're putting up basically 40 points from those two categories right there. Drew Holiday, only 19 points on the night, but nine assists, did have nine turnovers and only six rebounds. But oh my God, his defense on the scoring threat for the Phoenix Suns, Devin Booker, was absolutely masterful. That is the big story from this game. Booker was held to four of 12 shooting on the night for just 12 points. He had four turnovers himself. That is because of the work Drew Holiday did on him. He is very good at stopping guys. We know this all defensive team last year, and we saw what he did to the Portland Trailblazers in the first round of the playoffs. DeAndre Ayton in 30 minutes of action, the number one overall pick, 20 points, 12 rebounds. He's going to be good one day, but when you go at him with a full head of steam, you can see his defense really lacks, and he needs to kind of learn how to be that one-on-one defender rim protector when someone is charging at him, whether it's Julius Randle or a Pelicans guard, because he struggled in that aspect of it. Trevor Ariza, former um, player here in New Orleans, kind of held Anthony Davis a little bit in check as well. That's why he only had 26 in this. But this type of win is good for the Pels. They get it. It's as simple as that. It was easy. There wasn't really ever in doubt the Pelicans' biggest lead in this one was 24 points. Phoenix made it, you know, a, just never close enough. And New Orleans just pulled away in the fourth quarter, outlasting an inferior opponent. We haven't always seen them do that at home. It's nice to see that that kind of mentality is carried over from last year when they really started to build it. So just easy, good win for New Orleans. Not really much else to say about it. Just be happy because this is the type of thing they should be doing. 
So it broke Saturday morning that the Minnesota Timberwolves have finally traded away kind of want-away player Jimmy Butler, sending him to the Philadelphia 76ers, giving them now a big three, big four, I guess, depending on how you want to put it. But Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reported something pretty interesting, which was that Minnesota had some extensive discussions, and he uses the word extensive discussions, two words, with New Orleans, and they just couldn't find a deal. Obviously, Anthony Davis was not on the table whatsoever. And he goes on to say the Pelicans wouldn't include point guard Drew Holiday in its offer, nor multiple draft picks. That's probably a smart move. I don't think if you're going to bring in Jimmy Butler, trading away Drew Holiday is a smart thing at all, considering how much Anthony Davis loves him. And then what we saw him do Saturday night against Devin Booker, guy was averaging over 26 points per game, being held to just 12. So I think that's a smart move. The multiple future assets, probably smart as well, considering that Jimmy Butler might only be a rental. If you had a guarantee that he would resign here, you'd probably include multiple future first round picks for him. I don't think that would have been kind of a question there. But if you don't get that from him, then no, you don't include those future assets. What it's nice to see is that New Orleans is getting in these discussions and clearly trying to still continually upgrade this roster. It's interesting, the thing about the future first-round picks, given how much Dell Demps likes to trade those away. But hey, maybe they're just waiting for the right offer to come along to kind of use those because of their limited assets, those are likely the best ones that they have. But nice to see that Drew Holiday is indeed untouchable. Nice to see that they didn't end up trading away the future first-round picks. I'm a huge fan of Jimmy Butler. I think it would be a lot of fun with him on this team. Probably go a long way towards selling Anthony Davis to sign the extension and stay here for the future. And so it's good that they're doing this. Didn't end up working out. I think it's okay considering what we've seen go on in Minnesota. And if he was under contract for more years, then maybe you'd say this is a bad thing that it didn't happen right now. Nothing but just okay. But it's notable because that's a bit unexpected. They don't really have the assets to trade for him. So kind of surprising that 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 they were in extensive discussions. Maybe they came close. Maybe they didn't. And I'm sure as time goes on, we will hear more leak out about what the offers were. And final piece of news before we switch gears to everything Toronto in this podcast here, which is a lot of fun, by the way. The uh, Houston Rockets are in a bit of a disarray. So they're having a rough year to start with. There are, and it was uh, Matt Moore, HP Basketball of the Action News Network, said it best of they have a lot of problems. And Carmelo Anthony isn't the cause of those problems, but he's certainly not the answer. And it seems like they want to try and find an answer because it sounds like they are soon to move on from him. It was reported from Woj, from Mark Stein, from Shams that, yeah, he's likely going to be out and he's maybe played his last game with the Houston Rockets. He's been listed with an illness, and that's why he hasn't played these past two games, I believe. And it just seems like they need to go on. He's been bad. He has more... um, Misses, I believe, turnovers and something else than made field goals. So that's how rough he is. His scoring's not even there, which is what he's mainly used for. You're all going to ask me if they should pick him up if he's bought out or whatever. And we'll talk about it this week on the podcast. I promise we'll do a Carmelo Anthony segment because I don't think it's as cut and dry as people would make it out to be. I think there would be a kind of role here for him, though I don't know if that's the move that the Pelicans should make. But we'll discuss that later on, but it's worth mentioning that he's likely going to be out there. So get ready for the, hey, this team needs a wing talk. And should they bring in Mello? I'm going to go out on a limb and I, probably everyone's going to disagree with me that's in the Pelicans blogosphere. And I'm going to say I don't think it would be the worst thing, but I also don't think it would necessarily be a good thing either. But that is a tease for a segment later in the week. 
So before we get to the Toronto Raptors, it is a Monday after a massive Saints win, just blowing the doors off of the Cincinnati Bengals there. Locked on Saints recaps it for you Monday through Friday. It is a very special season here for your New Orleans Saints, and it is a lot of fun. And they got the defending Super Bowl champion Eagles coming to town now too, who are hopefully going to then lose again as well. But you want to know more about this? You want to know why things are working well, how they were so explosive in that game against the Bengals? Listen to Ross Jackson and Locked On Saints Monday through Friday. Subscribe and get it wherever you get your podcast from. So before we preview the game, Sean Woodley, the host of the Locked On Raptors podcast, and I had been talking preseason about how much I liked the Raptors and how much he liked the Pelicans. So we had officially declared to each other, we hadn't announced it yet, that I was going to adopt the Raptors and encourage all of you to adopt the Raptors as your Eastern Conference team. And he was going to adopt the Pelicans and encourage all of his fans to adopt the team as well and root for them as their Western Conference team. And then the season started and we just got busy. So we figured today is a perfect day to kind of explain why you should root for the Toronto Raptors in the Eastern Conference. So without further ado, let's bring Sean on to the Locked on Pelicans podcast. So, Sean, you and I wanted to do this before the season started because in the preseason, we were both talking and I was like, I really like the Raptors. You seem to really like the Pelicans. And we kind of just made an unofficial trade here of the Toronto <laughs> Raptors are now my East, uh, my Eastern Conference team. I'm d- officially declaring the trade finalized now. We can announce it. No sources or anything. It is the truth. 12-1 <laughs> Raptors. Why should Pelicans fans be rooting for them? Okay, so there are a few reasons. I think, like, first of all, they're a really fun and good team to watch, and there's never a point in the game where it's, like, going to be, like, a lull, right? Because there are so many good players on the Raptors that there's always interesting dudes on the court. So when the buzzsaw of a starting five isn't on the court, you have DeLon Wright up there, Euro-stepping dudes, and you have, even when Norm Powell's healthy, he's not right now, but even Norm Powell's capable of big dunks here and there, CJ Miles, just like, his smile lights up the room, so that's a nice little element to have as well. Oh, you gotta like just, happy people, right? Exactly, exactly, like OG Ananobi, so OG does this thing where he tries to dunk on people all the time, and he hasn't really connected on one of these thunder dunks just yet. But he's so ambitious with them that it's not really that crazy that he hasn't connected because they're really hard dunks. But one day, one is going to actually fall down, and he's going to absolutely end somebody. And I think you want to be part of that. I think you want to be, you know, emotionally invested in watching OG Ananobi crown somebody the way that he really seems to want to, just hasn't quite been able to do yet. So there's that. It's just they're a really fun team with a lot of good players. And then beyond that, there's just like a – I don't know. I think there's something – admirable about what the Raptors did over the last five years and then this year right they go from potentially being a tanking team and considering doing that and just like bailing themselves out because James Dolan didn't want to trade for Kyle Lowry because he was scared of Masai Ujiri and they (laughs) took that and they got good by accident kind of and they kind of rode that wave and they were patient and they didn't get you know deterred by playoff losses or disappointments and they held strong with their head coach and their best players and they were like all right let's keep running this back like this is the best this team has ever been why not see how far this can go And then I think there's a lot to the idea of Masai Ujiri really sort of showing some, without a better word for it, balls in making the trade to get Kawhi Leonard because that was not an easy PR move to make at the time. People loved DeMar DeRozan in Toronto. 
absolutely adore him. And with Kawhi Leonard's uncertain status health-wise and whether he was even going to come to Toronto, I mean, the night the trade happened, we had Chris Haynes tweeting like, oh, Kawhi has no interest in playing in Toronto. There was a lot of backlash to that trade from Masai Ujiri, but he went for it anyway because when are you going to get a player this good on your team? And when is there ever going to be a trade market that is this depressed where the Raptors could get in on a conversation for a guy like that? And he just did it. And, uh, you know, the decision to move on from Dwayne Casey as well was a big leap of faith and, you know, a, a real sort of change from the the culture of, I guess, just like having a strong foundation and kind of knowing exactly what it was going to be every single day under Dwayne Casey and kind of going with a new, a new direction with Nick Nurse where it's a bit more experimental. It's not quite as predictable. And I think all of those moves after five years of being really good in kind of a, you know, organic, unexpected way – to turn that into what they are now, which is a 12 and one basketball team with a top five player suddenly on the roster and a bunch of other guys in the team who are homegrown. They're drafted late in the first round, second round, undrafted free agents. There's just a lot of admirable stuff for this team that I think, you know, for fans of other teams, it's not like they were handed everything, right? They kind of earned everything they got along the way. Every move they made was precisely made. And I, I think Masai Ujiri deserves a ton, a ton of credit for that. The players deserve a ton of credit for it, for kind of going against what people would have expected from them. So, yeah, they're just like a, a, a noble team to root for, I suppose. I guess that would be my, uh, I guess, five-minute, I guess, <laughs> point, sell on why you should root for the Raptors. So I like a lot of that. And the way I kind of look at it is look at how many teams kind of just do the same thing over and over. Like, they, look, there was nothing wrong with what was going on in Toronto in years prior to, say, like last season and yeah. every Everything. You know what? They were the, the one seed last year. Doesn't go their way or whatever it is. But th- it, that's a good stretch of success. And instead of being complacent with that, knowing they likely weren't going to win a title. Sorry. Um, they, <laughs> no, no, no harm done. <laughs> they, they, they were bold and went for it. And it reminds me of the Pelicans a couple of years ago with the trade for DeMarcus Cousins. Like Sometimes mm-hmm. you just have to make a move to make a move and shake – things up otherwise you end up like the damn wizards who are just the biggest train wreck (laughs) that should be a good team but isn't and like that's nice to root for also look i like any team that's going to pull a star player a top five guy top 10 guy out of the western conference and put him on their team and now they're winning and maybe he stays in toronto and doesn't go to the lakers or someone that would be wonderful since i root for the pelicans here and also you're not boston who's been constantly trying to trade for anthony davis so i love that (laughs) I would argue also the just the fact that the Raptors are one of the obstacles in the way of the Boston Celtics who, like, they don't need anything more good. Like, come on. They've had their fun. They've won their titles. They're obnoxious for the most part. Like, the Raptors are sort of a, a, a you know— a, <laughs> A beacon of hope against the evil dark of this of the Celtics, I guess I would say. So that I think works in their favor as well. If you're looking for them to be your second team, um, for me, I love the Pelicans. You don't have to convince me on the Pelicans. I love Anthony Davis. I've loved him ever since he was in college. He's like one of the only college players I actually tuned into college basketball to watch because I just don't really care. It's like him and now R.J. Barrett, and those are the only two guys I really care about in college. And I, I just I love the way he plays. I love just how physical and ferocious he is and how just sort of daunting he seems to be as an opponent. He's great. Love Anthony Davis. The unibrow is a, is a nice, a nice little trademark thing as well, too. That should stay forever. That I was kind of heartbroken when I thought he was going to pluck it. And then just like the, I like the plucky underdog nature of new Orleans as an NBA city. No one really seems to think it's an NBA city. And I like that it keeps going. And I like that in, in, in the face of all of the, 
you know, there's going to be this move for they're going to trade Anthony Davis or he's going to leave or whatever. I like in the face of all of that, they're still trying to be good and trying to build a real team around him. And then also King Cake Baby is my favorite thing in the entire NBA, but that's besides the point. So you don't have to sell me, but is there anything in there that I missed that maybe if a Raptors fan is like, oh, maybe the Pelicans beat my other team, maybe I'm like they're on the market for a second team in the Western Conference, uh, what would be your sales pitch? Wait, okay, hold on. I've got to ask about King Cake Baby first. So yeah, he's oh, your fav- favorite thing from like a he's terrifying perspective and you like horror movies and you like being scared or for other reasons? I don't even, I don't even like horror movies particularly. I think King Cake Baby as a mascot – and I did like a, a Patreon podcast pretty much about mascots. We talked about the Raptor, but King Cake Baby, of course, came up because I love him. Um, this past week I did that. But so I, I, I think about King Cake Baby more than I should. I think the the concept <laughs> of going against the grain with the sort of evil, terrifying mascot. Like I loved original Pierre the Pelican as well for this exact reason. I like scary mascots. I like Gritty, the, the Philadelphia Flyers new mascot. I like – Oh, well, he's know, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I like mascots with a uncertain origin story. I, I, I just I like going <laughs> against the idea of a cuddly, cute mascot who will be nice to kids and, and get the crowd riled up. I like the idea of a mascot going up and knocking on people's doors unexpected and giving them tickets, but then scaring the, day, the daylights out of them in this, at the same time. I just there's something about King Cake Baby that I love. He's sassy on Twitter, which also works for me. I just it's I can't really explain it. No one really seems to get it, but I adore it. It's obviously it's a New Orleans local themed thing as well, which is always a bonus in my book. Just King Cake Baby forever. He should be like maybe the next coach of the team if things don't work out with Alvin Gentry. Well, so funny story, and then we'll actually talk about Alvin Gentry and the team. It was Mason Ginsburg, who writes for BourbonStreetShots.com, who, where I used to write for, is a real good friend of mine, created the unofficial King Cake Baby Twitter handle and was the one getting like all the retweets from Zach Lowe when he would tweet things at him <laughs> from this. And then the team, because they claimed that Mason was infringing on their trademark, took over the Twitter handle after like writing, like filing a ticket with Twitter claiming that like it, this is theirs and they should do it, and they stole. <laughs> the King Cape Baby Twitter handle from him and had been running it exactly the same, but it's this blogger who did this originally as a joke, and then the team thought it was so good, they, they like literally stole it from him. That's amazing. That, so, I didn't know that. That adds to the rich backstory of King Cake Baby, and I appreciate that, and it makes me love him even more. There, there we go. On the court <laughs> stuff, like, you were talking about thundering yeah. dunks and things like that. We've probably got the best here in the league at that in Anthony Davis, who one day is going to grab a ball from the moon and completely throw it down and posterize someone. And then we're going to break a court and everything and have to start the game over. But it's going to happen. And then you've just got guys on this team kind of, like you said, they're kind of a bit of an underdog story, a small market in the Western Conference that's almost like trying to crack that glass ceiling and bust through. And they're doing every single thing they can. Bad trades at times. Certainly with Dell Demps, good trades at times too with DeMarcus Cousins when he was healthy. But they're doing what they can to compete and not just kind of be relegated to that second tier, third tier, fourth tier status. So, and they found, you know, a group of players finally that kind of fit what works around Anthony Davis. You want a team that's fast. We've all known about their pace and just getting out and running, playing in transition, shooting at the rim, whatever they can. It's, a, it's just kind of fun basketball to watch. This isn't just wind the clock down. 
I don't watch college probably for the same reasons that you don't. It's too slow and other things like that. It's the opposite thing here in New Orleans. It's almost so fast you can barely keep up with it. Drew Holiday's kind of an underrated player, as weird as it is for a guy who made the all-defensive first team last year. But he's probably one of the best two-way guards in the league. You've got that kind of mix there. You've got a fun player like Nikola Mirotic and his beard thing and his shooting and all of that. Alfred Payton's kind of a good comeback story, a local guy coming home, trying to do well and revive his NBA career and it's been going well we stole a player from the lakers and julius randall that's kind of always fun and it looks like they could use him now and at least like you're not picking the top team in the west here you know if you're looking to kind of jump on a bandwagon no one's going to accuse you of going for the lakers or going for the warriors you don't want to be that guy that lady but here like new orleans is a safe pick it's also a team that is not destined to like poop the bed in the playoffs all the time. And I think that's because they have Anthony Davis, right? It's not like you're picking a team with like a pseudo star, like the, you know, even just like the old versions of the Raptors with DeMar DeRozan, as likable as those teams were, you always knew there was going to be a cap on what they could do. Whereas with Anthony Davis, like he kind of has a ceiling that is worth buying into. And maybe it's not a title because the Warriors exist and that's a bummer for everybody, but like Anthony Davis can do something unexpected and carry the Pelicans to a series win in like just emphatic fashion like he did against the Blazers last year. And that's really cool to watch. It's cool to be sort of front row for the emergence of a star the first couple times the, the, the guys going through the, the playoffs and kind of taking those steps. So I think that's a big thing. Drew Holiday as well. I love him so much. Like he is it's one of It's hard not to like him. Like there's yeah. just he's also just like the greatest human I think I've ever talked to in sports, which is a nice thing too. Yeah, he seems like an excellent dude and the thing I like about Drew Holiday and I think the thing that Raptors fans can probably relate to is that like he's probably on that short list of guys like Kyle Lowry who maybe is a bit underappreciated outside of sort of the local perspective of the team. And but like when you watch the team and you kind of get get a, like kind of a, a more innate understanding of what's going on with the team, you realize like, oh, this guy's incredible. He is so critical to the functioning of this team and he should be viewed as something much better or, or higher, more highly regarded than he actually is. Like Kyle Lowry is has been over the last five years, like one of the top 15 players in the league by so many advanced metrics met, metrics. And I think Drew Holiday is kind of similar, maybe not quite to the same extent, but like. That dude is awesome. He was so great against the Blazers last year. It was really cool to see him kind of have that explosion of a series after all he all he's gone through as well with his injuries and his wife. And uh, just shouts to Drew Holiday. He's really easy to root for. So another reason why the Pelicans are awesome. He's also rocking this awesome kind of headband thing that's got like the ninja look going on. If you watch him play when he's flying around, it's right. like a karate kid type of thing going on. So we've been <laughs> referring to him as um, Kung Fu Drew this year, which is pretty fun. And like, I don't know. I dig it. I dig the kind of Ninja Turtle look he's going for. And it's just like a little thing. that it's like, yes, finally someone's doing something like this. It just makes it more fun to watch. He's pulling it off way better than Kyrie Irving ever did. That's for sure. Wait, um, did Kyrie have one of those? I think he had a similar thing, yeah. I think he was going for it. Yeah, Holiday's rocking it better. The Celtics are an embarrassment, and uh, you know Kyrie felt the pressure, I suppose. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. Yeah. Um, Also, I like – here's the thing. If there's one drawback to me with the Pelicans is that they aren't as aesthetically pleasing from like a jersey and court design perspective that they could be. Like they are so rich with potential to be – the best dressed team in the league with the best colors 
and they've kind of missed the boat on that a little bit. I like their red jerseys. Those are really good, but their blues are kind of boring. Their whites are kind of boring. Their court, I know there's I, some people like the colorless sort of silhouette designs on it. I would prefer something a little bit more with a little bit more pop because it's New Orleans. It should be colorful. It this should is have true. purple and green streamers and all this stuff. And it kind of reminds me every time they they bring out like these amazing perfect city jerseys that, that that they've had the last couple of years. They're two different ones now, but they're both great. Like I just they could be so much better in that regard. So there's work to do, and I guess maybe that would be a deal breaker for some because you know you want to like watching the team that you're rooting for as a secondary team on TV. But um, I just the the aesthetics there is potential there, so I feel like it could turn around at some point in the coming years. Maybe they'll get wise to the fact that oh, uh, purple and green are way cooler colors than red, blue, and white, like every other team has. Yeah, they this is uh, this is something Pelicans fans have like said for years. Also, just like the in arena atmosphere and experience is just not like New Orleans-y enough when you have such a unique city. It's like, take advantage of that. But I will counter with one man, and that's Joel Myers, who's calling the games, who I yes! personally think is one of the best in the business. If you're going to be watching this okay. team a lot, at least you get to listen to him. He's incredible. I was just about to make that point as well. He is awesome. He's uh, he's he's the uh, Jack Armstrong of uh, play-by-play men. Jack Armstrong for color guys, it kind of is hard to beat for me. Maybe I'm biased, but like he has fun with it. He talks about getting loaded all the time on the broadcast. Like it's amazing. So if Pelicans fans need a reason okay, to tune in, okay. Jack Armstrong is like such a ball of energy. He only does half the home games because two different stations split the rights for the Raptors, and, and uh, Jack only does the TSN games. But man, Jack is the best, and also just like the best person in the world. So yeah, the, the, the there's uh, little things, there's right? Good, yeah, there's good broadcast components, I think, to both of these teams as well. Joel Myers, man, that guy rules so hard. So there you guys have it, Pelicans fans. Root for the Raptors here because, again, why not? And it's also, again, it's not Boston. I think that's going to be a huge selling point here. <laughs> not the Celtics is my favorite team in the entire NBA. <laughs> <laughs> there we go, yeah. So there you have it. That is why you should now root for the Toronto Raptors in the Eastern Conference. And now Sean's going to join me again before for us to preview this game tonight as the Pelicans do travel up to Toronto to take on the Raptors. But before we do that, look, the Locked On Podcast Network is doing unprecedented things on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, follow at LockedOnNBANet. That's LockedOnNBANet. You get all of the Locked On Podcast Network local hosts, the guys who bring you the insight that no one else has because they follow the team day in day out think about it i know more about the pelicans than a lot of other national guys do you all agree with this hosts around the country around the world really are doing that for their local teams with the nba and you get it all in one feed on at locked on nba net it's amazing during games during breaking news and if you just want to kind of get the local perspective on things on instagram follow locked on nba net as well it's giving you the biggest stories in just one minute clips in the instagram feed it's great if you just need a kind of quick refresher on what's going on that day so make sure you follow locked on nba net on both instagram and twitter so yeah we made the trade i love the raptors you love the pelicans but we don't like them really tonight i guess do we no, no. I, I hope the Pelicans lose terribly. I hope uh, they all get a one a twenty four hour flu or something and miss the game. No, that's too that's too extreme. I don't want that happening to them. But um, <laughs> yeah, man, no, I, I that, that, that turned dark quickly. 
Yeah, no, the Raptors have a winning streak on the line. They've won six in a row. They have two winning streaks of six-plus games already this season. I would like to see them continue that. So, yeah, no, I'm not rooting for the Pelicans tonight. It's the one time where the Pelicans aren't my top priority. Yeah, no, which is completely fair. I will say the Pelicans have their own winning streak. It's two games currently. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so not quite the same. So for Pelicans fans, let's kind of start it this way. What has Toronto been doing well this year? Uh, I mean, as they're as they're a twelve and one team, yes, which is very general, of course. Yeah, they've been doing most of the things pretty well. Um, it's it's kind of ridiculous. They've even kind of been hurt and been missing some guys, so the bench has been a little bit suspect at times, just because there haven't been enough guys to really fill out a good bench unit a lot of nights. But their their starters have been outstanding, and I think it kind of centers around. I mean, all five of them have been incredible. Kyle Lowry is leading the league in assists by a pretty big margin right now. And, like, the offense is just so easy for him right now. He's just walking into assists. He's finding Serge Ibaka on the roll. He's finding Danny Green for, like, three or four wing threes every game. And it's just the starting five right now works so well. And it kind of started the year where the Raptors were flipping back and forth a bit between Jonas Valanciunas and Serge Ibaka starting at the five. And that is kind of switched, I think, more to Ibaka kind of being that guy aside from a few particular matchups you know most of the time Ibaka is going to be starting because if there's one thing that the Raptors have been doing well or one area of the team that's been really good so far that maybe wasn't expected to be so good it's the front court with Serge Ibaka in it and I don't know if people watched last year's playoffs he became unplayable against the Cavs yeah he he, he, he struggled there for sure yeah he got benched he was a disaster he had no energy he was just not it wasn't working with him, and I was really concerned about like what he was going to be able to offer for this year's Raptors team. I even talked myself into him and just being a luxury. He was going to play backup center, and that was it. And if he got some minutes and, and did something good with them, great. Instead, he's been like a borderline all-star so far this year. He's had two 30-point games. He had one game where he was 15 of 17 against the Lakers. Uh, excuse me. He... Um, He's had like he's shot he shot the lights out for like he's missed like three shots in all of November essentially and he's shooting a lot he's just been what the Raptors have done is they've kind of cut out any minutes with Serge Ibaka at power forward and that was kind of the thing last year that I think we were clamoring for but it just never happened because of the constitution of the roster maybe some guys weren't ready there weren't enough wings to fill in at the four and Ibaka had to play a lot of power forward and it just didn't work he's been a center for like four years and has never gotten to play center until this year. And we're seeing the, the the positive ramifications of moving him to the position he's best at right now because he's hanging out to the rim. He's not having to chase guys away from the basket. He is just being able to hang around and be a rim protector and deterrent the way that he kind of made his made his money in the NBA. And he's surrounded by so much shooting and space that there's just so much room for him to work. And he's kind of even abandoned three-point shooting. He is not never like a, a knockdown three-point shooter per se. He's had some nice seasons, but he's always been kind of more of a gadgety stretch, stretch big, I think. And he's kind of just cut that out of his game. And now he's just like purely a role man. Sometimes he'll pop out for, for a three here and there. But for the most part, he's just been rolling to the basket ferociously. Kyle Lowry's been finding him with pocket pass after pocket pass. And he's just hitting everything right now. And it's been a delight to watch. And then next to him, he's been playing with Pascal Siakam a lot of the time. And... I know Pelicans fans are probably familiar with Pascal Siakam considering what he did in the last preseason yep. game. <laughs> he's been outstanding this season. He's averaging something like, uh, I don't know, 17 or 18 points over the last seven games. He's shooting 
his true shooting percentage is in like the high 60s and he never, doesn't really take threes or make threes and his free throw rate's pretty low. He just hits like 67% of his twos because he's like un- unguardable at this point. He has this one move essentially where he'll swoop in from the right or left wing and do a little spin move and just put a little eight foot push shot up and it goes in every single time. And I don't really know how teams plan on guarding it. There has not been much of an adjustment to it, even though he's become more of a part of the offense over the last little while here. So the way those two are playing in the front court that I think a lot of people said was maybe the weakness of this team, it's been it's just helped supplement the Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry, Danny Green, one, two, three combination, which is just lethal at this point. Uh, and it, that starting five is just killing teams right now. It's unstoppable. And that's kind of been the thing the Raptors are doing best. But again, doing anything poorly. Yeah, there's a reason they're 12 and 1. And the fact that Kawhi Leonard, I think, bounced back quicker than maybe most people were expecting. And he's, he's what, 24.4 points per game, almost eight rebounds. Like, he's been lights out. How has he looked? I haven't gotten to watch the Raptors a ton, but is he just the usual Kawhi defensively? Yeah, he's insane. Um, he had the game against Ben Simmons where he forced Simmons into 11 turnovers. Um, I think like four or five were just him directly picking his pocket. But he was in Simmons' chest the entire night, and Simmons had a terrible game. And you know, there's still some you know lapses here and there. I think they're still kind of learning how to play defense with each other. And on, the defense has kind of taken a little bit to come around. They've had some swaths of games where it kind of loses its way a little bit. But when they really buckle down... They're capable of these like five to six minute runs where they absolutely stifle whatever the opposing offense is doing and turn that into just transition three after transition three, dunk after dunk. And, you know, they, they did this in the Celtics game at the start of the season, the ESPN game. You might have seen it. Uh, it was a close game the entire way. And then the last five minutes or so, they really clamped down got a bunch of turnovers, forced a bunch of steals, and turned that into like a 12-1 run to finish the game. They did the same thing against the Sixers a couple weeks ago. They are just capable of just the, the gear they can hit is a gear I've never seen a Raptors team be able to hit. And I do think there are very few teams in the NBA right now, maybe only the Warriors that I've seen so far this year, can hit that gear that the Raptors can find when everything's really humming and they're just pestering and uh, just swallowing teams up on defense and it leads to great offense for them. And when, with the number of shooters they have, with Kyle Lowry's ability to pull up in transition or find uh, you know, Danny Green or Kawhi or, or you know, finding Pascal Siakam on an outlet pass, like they're just deadly in transition and they're just getting so many opportunities out of their defense for that so um Kawhi, yeah uh, uh, he's been he's good we know this yeah like, he's he's really good his offense has kind of been a little bit rusty at times but even then he'll, you'll, you'll think he's having a rough game and then he'll come out in the third quarter and drop 15 points and it's like oh yeah he had a pretty efficient night after all and it, what's crazy right now is I believe in the Raptors starting five, Kawhi has the worst true shooting percentage and it's like 60 percent um like yeah they're just yeah <laughs> They're out of this world right now. They're, they're, they're playing out of their minds. And I don't know if it's, like, entirely sustainable, but also there's not that much with the team that I think is, like, going to really seriously regress. They're only shooting 35% from three as a team right now, which is one of the lower marks in the league. They're better than that. Like, Kyle Lowry's a really good shooter. So is Danny Green. So is Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard. Like, they're going to knock down their threes more often, I'm pretty sure. And once that happens, like, it's just – it's really – hard to beat this team and and find ways around them because their defense is such a 
it imposes such a floor for them that it's really hard for teams to, you know, there's no margin for error, really. And, you know, it requires really bad shooting nights. Or in the Raptors' case, Kawhi not playing and Kyle Lowry having his one game where he shot poorly for the Raptors to lose a game. And that was to the Bucks earlier on this year without uh, Giannis or Kawhi playing in that game. So, yeah, uh, Kawhi is uh, as advertised, and it's not surprising to me that they're this good with him playing the way he is. Um, as far as the Pelicans go, though, we haven't really talked about the Pelicans. I've just been rambling on about how good the Raptors are. Uh, I think the Pelicans are <laughs> good. Okay. I think they're, they are. Yeah, I think they're good. I think they're closer to the team that started the season 4-0 than they are to the team that went 0-6 in the next six. And there were injuries involved, obviously, there with Anthony Davis missing some games. But, um, like, obviously there are some issues with depth, and that's always going to be a problem. But the best five guys that can run out are really, really good, and I would put it up against most teams in the league – what are the Pelicans doing well that people can expect to see uh, sort of give the Raptors problems on Monday night? Yeah, you know, so like you said, the, the team that started 4-0 versus the next 0-6 match they went on, I think they're much closer to that, that beginning team. Anthony Davis didn't play in two of those. He was essentially a non-factor in like another two of those, and he was mm-hmm. just very clearly not himself. Alfred Payton being out for all of those, and he's still out. He's listed as day-to-day. I don't know if he's going to be playing in this game. Is also been an oddly important factor for the Pelicans, and without him, their offense hasn't looked nearly the same like it did against the Houston Rockets. kind of fills that uh, Rondo role for the team from last year of just kind of getting them in transition and making right. the right pass, and they can score that way. And that's what they did through those first four games. We all know the pace with them. They're lightning fast, top five in pace this season uh, after being number one last year, and they want to get out and run. You've said a couple of things about the Raptors, which terrify me a little bit. One, their <laughs> shooting is so good that this Pelicans team can't really get out in transition and run when you have to inbound the ball because the Raptors' defense is going to get back and get set. And also, they have not been very perfect like they were to start the year in terms uh, of, of offense, where it's been a whole lot of turnovers, say the past eight games, two of those being wins, versus the first four-game stretch when they were actually number one in not turning the ball over. So that's kind of been the key to them. If they can just get out and run and let Anthony Anthony Davis play kind of instinctively, let Alfred Payton play instinctively, Julius Randle and Drew Holiday kind of lean the way there too. And you've got some shooters in the corners with Namir Titch and Darius Miller, a small forward for him. I think that's where they're their deadliest. And then in the half court, they can play. At one point, they were number one offense in the half court. And that's largely because of Drew Holiday, Alfred Payton, and mainly Anthony Davis, who can go and get basically any ball and dunk it down off of you. And it's just added so much to his game over the past couple of years. He can score down on the low block and bully you down low. Or he can stretch it out and shoot some threes, and he still has that kind of pretty strong mid-range game that he breaks out to in an emergency situation. It's just, I don't know really how you defend a guy who can kind of jump like that and shoot the ball like that with that release point. So it largely comes down to that. If he's having a big game, they're a tough team to beat. Though mm-hmm. a lot of it right now is they've been beating themselves with turnovers. And if, as soon as that kind of calms down and getting Alfred Payton back, and again, if he plays, it's huge for the Pelicans in this one. If not, they might struggle on offense just a little bit more. Yeah, I'm curious to see in particular in this game how the Pelicans rebounding gives the Raptors trouble. Because if the Raptors do something poorly, it's defensive rebound. They're one of the worst defensive rebounding teams in the league right now. Uh, I have it here. They are the fifth worst team defensive rebounding wise and it hasn't really hurt them because a lot of times when they're giving up these defensive rebounds they're getting the stop on the ensuing possession anyway because their defense is so good but obviously against the Pelicans when you have Julius Randle and Nikola Mirotic and obviously Anthony Davis they're eighth right now in offensive rebounding percentage themselves they're one of the better rebounding teams overall fifth right now in total rebounding percentage Um, I'm curious to see how that is going to give the Raptors problems because we haven't really seen that much 
much uh, like Serge Ibaka being challenged by whoever he's starting against. I'm assuming he's going to start against, against Anthony Davis. I'm not exactly sure what the Raptors' plan for guarding him is going to be. We might see some Pascal Siakam on him because Siakam kind of guards everybody, and he might be able to hang with Davis a little bit better, and maybe they'll stick Ibaka on Randall or whoever they have at the four. Um, that would be an interesting little X's and O's thing to watch. But I'm curious to see how the offensive rebounding in general and just rebounding in general is going to uh, affect this game because that is, if there is an advantage the Pelicans have, that is a significant one, I think, considering the, the personnel they're going to have on the court most of the time. Just sort of, I think the Raptors would rather have Ibaka up against Davis than Jonas Valanciunas just because I, I don't know if Jonas can really hang defensively with Anthony Davis. That's going to be a fascinating thing for me to watch. Uh, so the the rebounding is going to be important for this team. They do kind of live off of those second chance points at times, and I think their rebounding. This is a change from years past where they basically just seemed like they were allergic to it, or it was going to make them sick here, and didn't ever go after offensive board. And then they just realized how damn effective it is when you have guys like Julius Randle, Nikola Mirotic, Anthony Davis, and they've been experimenting with that, uh, all three of those guys in the lineup at the same time. And early returns are pretty good. I'm sure we'll see some of it in this game, though we haven't seen it a ton this year. I just want to see more of that because it's it's like a big depth lineup almost or something and it should be a lot of fun um so that's definitely going to be kind of a big factor in all of it i'm curious if if the raptors might use Kawhi leonard on anthony davis he does the one time you can kind of get him to struggle i guess defensively is if you put a guy who can kind of keep up with his athleticism which Kawhi can he's got the length and kind of the strength to not necessarily get bullied down low is that something you've seen kind of the raptors do or maybe you, you expect in this game yeah, I don't think they've played someone like Anthony Davis because there's not really anyone like Anthony Davis. We haven't really seen what they'll do in that situation yet. But Nick Nurse, the Raptors coach, has talked about, yeah, like we got Kawhi to guard all these guys. Like we got him to guard Jimmy Butler. We got him to guard Giannis. And I would assume Anthony Davis falls under that category. So we'll see because the Raptors do have enough guys. And, you know, Pascal Siakam in particular is – versatile enough on D that you can throw him on somebody else and he'll be just fine. I mean, he's guarded wings this season. He's guarded point guards in the past. He shut down John Wall for big swaths of the playoffs last year. Like, he can guard anybody. So that gives you a little bit of flexibility if you want to try to throw your big horse in Kawhi up against Anthony Davis. The the fact that you just mentioned that sounds really fun and interesting to me, and I want to watch that happen. So I hope that's the way they go because that sounds awesome. Um, And, you know, you're right about Kawhi being – just that, I think that's the thing I've noticed most watching Kawhi this season. And, like, I've watched Kawhi before, but watching him every day, it's different, obviously. And just the the strength that he has. He is just so much stronger than everybody and powers through contact for, for buckets. He can fight through anything on defense. Like, he's incredible to watch from that perspective. So maybe he is the guy to throw up against Anthony Davis. Like, the, the Raptors haven't played for uh, – it'll be a day off on – yeah, they, they didn't play Sunday. So it's not like they're on a back-to-back or anything like that. Um, so maybe they'll just be like, all right, Kawhi, go out there and do it. And that's been the one really encouraging thing as they've rested Kawhi and he missed those couple games with the ankle injury. You know, there were people, I think, maybe a little bit concerned about his health and, you know, the, the, the concerns creeping in and letting the stress get to their heads. But I think the fact that in the games that Kawhi's played, he's played a lot and has been asked to do a lot. I, I, that gives me confidence that they won't feel any trepidation about throwing him on Anthony Davis for, you know, whatever, wear and terror concerns. Because the thing about the Raptors' offense is that even if Kawhi is expending a ton of energy guarding Anthony Davis, they have enough like on their all of their other options to put together a really good offense, even if Kawhi has a bit of a sort of lower usage night because he's spending so much time guarding Davis. So that would be fascinating to me. 
The, the, those are the type of guys that have given him trouble historically. Like a guy like Trevor Ariza guards him really well, and it's something the Rockets have done in years past, and they obviously missed that in the opening game. And I think that's one of the reasons he had such a monster game against that team on opening night. So, you know, Kawhi Leonard's a better version of that. So it's like, okay, maybe I, I would expect that we'll see him on there, hope that we won't, and that will kind of be that. Before we kind of wrap this up, though, we have not mentioned, say, what's going to be maybe the more fun one-on-one battle in this one, which is probably going to be between Drew Holiday and your point guard and Kyle Lowry, because I think mm-hmm. this is going to be a lot of fun. Also, Lowry's hit some big shots against the Pelicans, as he does every team, but in particular New Orleans over the past couple of years. Yeah, this is one of those matchups where I think both guys have trouble guarding the other. Like, Drew Holiday's had some enormous games against the Raptors, too. Uh, if I recall, he had like 35 in a game last season. You no, know, you're right. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I think Davis kind of struggled, too. I think if I recall, Jonas actually had a pretty decent night guarding him. And then I think they put OG Ananobi on him for a bit, too. And it was, like, surprisingly effective. But Drew Holiday had a monster game. And I think it was pretty close by the end. I think the Raptors pulled it out. But it was a close game. And Holiday went nuts. And... I think Lowry, he's got he's a very good defensive point guard, but he's also six feet tall. So there are certain kind of guys who really bother him. John Wall usually has his way with him, although John Wall this season is sad and not having his way with anybody. Um, and Everything in going on with the Wizards is sad right now. <laughs> But the worst, but also the best, because I enjoy it uh, greatly from from afar. Um, but with uh, with Holiday, like the size and the quickness, I think that's going to give Kyle some trouble. But that's the thing with the Raptors is that they might throw Danny Green on, on, on Drew Holiday and see how that works because they can kind of throw people all over the place. Maybe they'll stick Kyle on Etwan more and kind of have him, you know, hidden a little bit on defense. Or the Raptors might just rely on DeLon Wright, for example, who is capable of guarding anybody from one through three, essentially. And so but they have options for sure. They, they have guys they can throw at Holiday if he's having one of those nights, maybe in a way that they haven't in the past because, you know, Danny Green is just such a luxury to have at this point. I still don't understand how the Raptors got him but yeah so that that should be really fun but even on the other side like Kyle seems to have his way with Drew Holiday a lot of the time too and I'm curious to see how Kyle's going to approach this game in particular because you know he's it's a it's a team that is extremely stout inside and like Anthony Davis's rim protection is incredible Kyle's been doing a much better job of penetrating the defense and not even so much going for his own shot, but like doing the Steve Nash thing where he'll like navigate the paint and just find a cutter and it usually leads to a dunk. So just how he navigates the, the, the impo the imposition that is Anthony Davis on everyone's, you know, best laid plans. I, I I'm curious to see how that's all going to work. This should be a fun one. It's like kind of quirky rosters that don't really match up in traditional ways. So I, I I'm, ex- I'm curious to see, exactly how much in the way of like X's and O's Nick Nurse dives into. He's been pretty liberal with like just using all of this stuff and seeing how it works. And he's not like holding stuff back or anything like that. He's very experimental. He's very willing to try stuff out. So we might see some weird stuff in terms of how they guard Drew Holiday tomorrow. Yeah, I, and and I hope we try and beat that because they <laughs> they need the win. But yeah, so you know, good luck for the rest of the season. But hope you lose in in this game here, and then. Yeah, Pelicans fans, root for the Raptors every other time. (laughs) Yeah, again, the the Pelicans are cool. Joel Myers rules. The uh, city jerseys look awesome. 
uh, Anthony Davis is insanely fun to watch. I have him in fantasy too, which is nice. It's the only time I've ever cared about fantasy is having him on my team. It rules. Uh, Drew Holiday's fun. Julius Randle is. It's fun to watch him not hers. That's always cool. Yeah, the Pelicans rule. This podcast ruled, by the way. Jake, this was, this was, this a lot was of fun. fun. Yeah, I enjoyed doing this one. Um, <laughs> so we got a good preview in here. We've given you another team to root for. Oh, I like your city jerseys too, the ones they just showed the white ones i i kind of dug those too they were clean simple which i was just enough Mm -hmm. i did a podcast about this last week i'm not overly impressed or thrilled i'm kind of over the gold i want purple back in my life and uh i guess the 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 theme of this podcast is i like purple (laughs) there there we go now it all makes sense just have more teams with purple that 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 is the 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 way of the future in the nba i think All right, John, thanks for for taking the time. This was good. We'll have to do this again later on in the year. Absolutely. And everyone, make sure you're subscribing to, rating, and reviewing all of the Locked On podcasts, whether it's NBA, NFL, uh, college as well. There's a podcast for you and a host that uh, is, is also for you with a local perspective on all of the sports stories and teams that you care about. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find both of these shows iTunes pages and feeds. Um, I'm at Woodley Sean on Twitter if you want to check me out there. Jake, you are at Nola Jake, is that correct? Yeah, at Nola Jake. I keep it easy. That's a, that's a good handle. That, that, that's a, You must have had to fight for that one because I feel like a lot of Jakes in New Orleans would have, would have been after that. <laughs> I he, Now, half the time, that's what I get called when people see me down here. And <laughs> I, like, I don't have any other name. It's not Jake Madison. It's Nola Jake. So it worked out really <laughs> well, I guess. Well, that's, uh, that's good. It will work out really well if you follow Jake on Twitter as well. So make sure you're doing that and then subscribing to all the Locked On podcasts. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Sean and I went long, but we had a lot of fun talking about why you should root for our respective teams. So please root for the Raptors in the Eastern Conference. Enjoy the game tonight. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow to recap the game. 